When your child is struggling, as a parent, you need support. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. I'm at the 46th Annual Psychotherapy Associates Winter Symposium. This is in Colorado Springs, and once again, I get my hands on the experts. The men and women who are speaking at this conference, the, the, the other people having booths here, this is where all the experts in the industry of mental health and addiction and recovery gather to share the information they have, and I wanna get it into your hands. So thank you for joining me on this week's episode of Beyond Risk and Back. I've had Dr. Weinhold on the show before. Um, I believe it was a year ago, it was here. Um, and uh, I didn't see you at CCSAD or did no, I? No. Okay. Um, we're gonna talk about developmental trauma and uh, off the air I was asking you, are we talking about uh, something that happens to a kid and it delays uh, a development because it's traumatizing or something that's not developing right and you were like yes and more right. so so first doctor let's talk about your experience why you're talking about this subject right. uh, and you did a talk here today about it I'm going to be giving going a talk to, okay yeah well I've been studying tra developmental trauma for 30 years uh, my wife and I uh, when we got married 35 years ago uh, found that early on in our relationship a lot of uh, old issues started to come up. We started to trigger each other, and we wondered, where is this coming from? Right. So we began to dig a little deeper and, and found that it was a result of our childhood abuse and neglect. You didn't just argue, fight, yell, and get divorced and move no, on? No, no. Huh? Oh, we, what's wrong with you? you didn't, uh, I know. <laughs> well, we, we, were, we were both mental health professionals, and we said, you know, if we can't figure this out, we have no business <laughs> helping other people try to figure it out. Yeah. So that's what we said about trying to figure it out from a personal level. Good. And that's where all of our work has come from, out of our personal experiences as a couple and then working with students I taught at the university for 30 years and then I had a private practice and I've had a private practice now since 1976 as a psychologist and also written uh, 66 books a uh, number of them on developmental trauma and it's a term that we actually coined initially nobody okay. heard of it when we when we started talking about it we didn't even know what it was we just knew that a lot of our clients were coming to us with with symptoms where there was no evidence in their past, at least visible evidence, that anything happened that or that could have caused these symptoms. So, so you're 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 talking about not something some glaring no. out. You've been abused. You've been well, abandoned. You've been assaulted. Well, it, that is part of it, but Certainly. we found it was deeper than that okay. and, and more pervasive than we realized. Okay. Uh, and we found that actually one of the most common causes of developmental trauma was not abuse. That surprised us. It was neglect. Wow. That somehow, and I don't blame parents. I never let any of my clients blame their parents. I said, you either can blame your parents or grow up. You got a choice. And so if they don't, if they choose not to grow up, then I don't, I don't work with them. <laughs> it's interesting about that statement. I mean, as, as provocative and as kind of edgy as it is, that's also, as, I, as I'm listening to it as a, as a mental health professional, um, you're addressing the very issue that you're talking about. You can either blame uh -huh. or you can grow up. There's either going to be development or you're going to be stuck in the trauma. That's right, right. And that's, that's developmental trauma. Right. 
And, and that's what we found is a lot of people uh, didn't have a name for what they were experiencing. And so once they understood it and connected the dots that because I'm fighting with my spouse, uh, it's because of what happened when I was fighting with my parents as a, as a, as a teenager or as a uh, younger child. And so we, helping people put a name on it actually was part of the healing process because people thought they were crazy. They're like, yeah, I was just about to say, yeah. I thought I was crazy. There's a name for this? Yeah. And so that was the first step is understanding that, that and it gave people a little bit of a, they didn't have to be defensive about whatever they were feeling and thinking right. and whatever their symptoms were. Right. They ha- there was now a reason why they were feeling this way or thinking this way. And that was a big step in, in the recovery process because then they could begin to work with you. They weren't defending against it, uh, and, and they began to find ways to heal that trauma. Because so much research is being done about like intergenerational trauma, right. you know, what's getting passed down, yeah. let's talk about kind of the insidious nature of developmental trauma that you and your wife had discovered. This, this, it, it seems to lurk more in the shadows, and if it's while these glaring, you know, the A's, the abandonment, the abuse, yeah, the right. assault um, is, is so big and addiction, um, what are some of the smaller ones that you guys are saying, well, actually, that, that's a the, really affecting development? Neglect, is the, as we sure. found, was the biggest cause. And mostly it was ignorance by parents. They didn't understand the needs of their child, and they neglected them inadvertently and neglected them. And when you're talking about needs, you're talking not just food. Emo- emotional needs. Emotional needs. It, it, needs for uh, affection. Needs for okay. uh, connection and contact. Needs for empathy. Needs for... And I think your generation certainly had a much, much tougher time with your parents. Oh, yeah. Like, that was not a... This was a seen and not heard generation. It was, you yes. Were, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, and people... It was really shameful to have those kind of... Uh, uh, I mean, uh, my parents tried to pretend like they were perfect because it was shameful to have a child that had anything that was less than perfect because that would reflect on you right and so that was the biggest obstacle that many people had was that uh, they they grew up in narcissistic families where their where their parents uh, pretended like everything was fine and so they they bought them they bought the program and they grew up thinking everything was fine and then when they got in relationships as an adult, they found everything wasn't fine. Not only is it not fine, but we have developmental gaps. Let's talk about the, the developmental piece. What are, what are you referencing when you talk about developmental trauma? Well, is, is that the, the result or the cause? There's two, there's two uh, uh, kinds of developmental trauma that okay. we broke it down into. One of them is attachment trauma. Okay. And that happens in the first year of life. It can actually happen prenatally. Yeah. Where the child and the parent don't connect and bond effectively. And they have what is called an insecure attachment or insecure bonding. And this leaves the child uh, with a, a very fragile sense of basic trust. They distrust other people and, 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 and they don't know why. Uh, they also have trouble uh, connecting with other people in relationships. So sometimes they uh, they end up uh, as adults being pretty much loners, uh, or they're addicted to their their uh, the internet or video games or uh, other things that distract them. So anyway, attachment trauma 
is a big one because, and it's not that hard to see once you understand what is needed. And it isn't rocket science. I mean, basically, when a child has a, some kind of a distress, if, if the parent does not respond appropriately to that, it becomes a trauma. If the parent responds appropriately to any distress, it's just an owie. You know, it's just it isn't a big deal. Explain that again. Like like that's that's pretty big, right? It's profound. There. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. So let's dive a little deeper than that. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, give an example. My kid falls on the ice, cracks their head, they're bleeding. It's yeah. not. It's going to need three stitches. Well, that's a pretty dramatic one. But it is, and it will go away. Yeah. Unless un- unless the parent doesn't respond to that uh, child's, whatever that child's feeling about that, the fear that the child has brought up for the child, and they're, they're concerned about maybe, uh, oh, God, I must be a, think, I must, people must think I'm a bad parent because my child fell on the ice. You know, they take it in as a personal uh, okay. kind of uh, weakness of them because they allowed their child to fall on the ice. Well, it wasn't their fault, but that's how parents sometimes react. And then when they have that kind of internal defensiveness, they don't reach out. They're inside working in an inner battle about them. How, how they feel about themselves. The kid's crying. You're saying, okay, yeah, right, okay. Right, yeah. All right, you're all right. right. You'll be okay. You'll yeah. be okay. We'll take you to the doctor. You'll be okay. Quit crying. Yeah. And and that's, a, uh, I think, a common way that the neglect piece shows up. Okay. Is that the, the parent doesn't respond. I mean, there's also a, a thing about, well, just let, let him cry it out. That's the worst thing you could do to a child is to let the child cry out something some dysregulation they're feeling some emotional upset they're having without providing any support or or comfort or anything that's becomes traumatizing i mean there there are times when uh parents will actually allow their child to cry themselves to sleep that's definitely a a trauma uh, creating situation because the child then goes into what we call the black hole they, they just feel, they just fall into despair, and they often will actually dissociate. They, the child cannot cope with that level of, of disconnection. So that, that's, uh, there are things like that that parents need to know about. For, and the other thing that parents often do is they use time out, you know. And there is a lot of theory about that's, that's great to help teach people limits and everything. Well, it's the worst way to do it. Uh, the best way to do it is time in. So if somebody, if your child does something that they misbehave in some way, you get them to sit next to you and, and, and help them calm down. And then once they've calmed down, then they can go back and doing whatever they do. You don't isolate them because that's uh, making the child then responsible for fixing it. And it's really a co-creative situation. The the parent has to be involved in helping to fix it because children don't have the capacity to re-regulate themselves yet. But they can learn that, and they do that through time in. They learn that, yeah, I, I am upset now, but I, I'll get better. I'll feel better later. And my, my mom's here, and she'll help me in case I have trouble. I don't have to do it all myself. And I think that's a big part of, of what parents need to understand is that it's, it's not that difficult to to just reach out at that point. But again, 
<laughs> Mostly timeout is for the parents' benefit. <laughs> we'll get back to our guest in just a second. I got to make a quick shout out to two organizations that have really helped out Fire Mountain and Beyond Risk and Back at our booth here at the Winter Symposium. First is Guayaki Yerba Mate. They have given us cases and cases of this amazing, incredible drink to hand out to other people, to get people in the industry of mental health and addiction to understand the benefits of Guayaki Yerba Mate and brain recovery, brain building. I could, I could spend an entire episode, which I did, by the way, with one of the co-founders, David Carr. So go listen to that Beyond Risk and Back episode. And you can always Google benefits, scientific benefits, scientific research behind Yerba Mate. And you will understand why we give this drink out to people in the industry. This is a hidden gem that is getting more and more popular. So please support us being supported by Guayaki Yerba Mate. And go pick yourself up a can and get some for your teens. And then second, I need to thank Psychotherapy Associates Winter Symposium people themselves for letting us be here and broadcasting this show and helping us email all of the speakers to get the information, the, 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 the new cutting edge research in brain development, addiction recovery, mental health. And I get to interview these incredible people and get their information into your heads, parents. So thank you to Winter Symposium and thank you to Guayaki. Okay, let's get back to our guest. This, this time in... Uh, this time in concept, uh, I, I was just talking with uh, Dr. Weinhold off, off air. I think, that, you know, the Gen Xers, we created the timeout, right? right? The, you know, slapping, spanking, um, grounding. Those were things that, right, that my right. parents right. Uh, uh, employed. And I, look, I, I had great parents. My, you know, I won't call them perfect. They, my parents were good enough There's for no me. There's no such thing as a perfect Right, parent. right. Perfect to a setting on a dryer, I heard. Right. Um, <laughs> my parents did very well not abusing any of these things. But our generation came up with this timeout thing. I really think you're you're onto something with this time in because you know kids acting up and something like that. And the time in means you're stepping into this place of connection, reinforcing attachment. Uh -huh. And one of the things we teach our parents at the Parent Weekend is connection before correction. Right. That's exactly right. And and this really this is fulfilling needs. This yeah, is what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And that the parent uh, has the role of helping the child learn how to re-regulate themselves because you can't go through life totally regulated emotionally. You will right. get upset at whatever. But if you know how to uh, calm yourself and bring yourself back to some kind of uh, calm space, then you don't need any therapist to intervene or anybody else. You can do it yourself. But what happens when kids act out, they're often defiant. Right, And then that brings up the parents' own uh, issues about, oh, God, how am I going to be a good parent here? I've got I've to set the limits. I've got to enforce the rules. I've got to be a policeman. Right. <laughs> and, and so they go into policeman mode when they should go into caretaker mode and, and simply uh, understand that this child is acting out because there's something going on inside of them that, 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 that they don't know how to control. And so... If the sending them to a corner or sending them to the other room uh, to try to figure it out isn't going to help. 
And we even say that with the with the timeout. You can go stand over there until you can figure out, right. you know, and that's that we're, it's, we're it's asking just, the child brain to do something it's not right. designed to. And then when the child can't do it, they think there must be something wrong with me, right. which is the basis for shame. Right. And so there's a lot of shame-based parenting, too, that inadvertently happens when kids are told that there's something wrong with them, that they... they or they're compared with others in in a, in a negative way, like you aren't as good as so and so down the street, or your brother, or whoever. Uh, those can create shame in children, which then uh, don't go away. I mean, they they stay with us as adults. We have shame-based beliefs about ourselves. The hardest thing for most adults is to accept themselves as an imperfect being. I mean, we have, uh, when you ask people to make a list of all their negative traits and their positive traits, guess which one is the longest? I can tell you which, which, right. which of my lists would feel well, longer. Of course, mine too. Yeah. I mean, that's what, and we live in a kind of a gotcha culture, which is always trying to catch you doing something wrong. Right. Instead of reinforcing what is right. Right, right. And so that, those are kind of things that we're looking at with developmental trauma. You said there's another component to this yeah, piece. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, I'm talking about the attachment piece. Of course. But there's also the separation piece. Yes. And we talk about separation trauma. And that's caused by either uh, shame-based parenting or uh, physical punishment, uh, emotional abuse, uh, uh, or ver- usually it's verbal. Sure. And the child starts to find that most of what is natural for them, nobody likes. (laughs) And so in order to cope with that situation, they develop a false self that they think is going to be more acceptable to these other people that will keep them off their back. And so they don't even know they're doing it, of course. It's just a matter of a process over time that, that they develop these ways of pleasing other people so that they can get along with other people. I had, as growing up, uh, it became common practice for in the afternoon for teachers and at times my parents to ask me if I'd taken my medication. Uh-huh. Because I was diagnosed ADHD in the 70s, and so it was still relatively sure. uh, a new discovery, air quotes. Um, and so when I would get excited... Uh, in the afternoon, Aaron, did you take your medicine? So it became very clear to me that I had to act a certain way to appease these people who were um, holding uh, uh, a standard, a standard, and 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 my records of standard, these right, report yeah, cards, right, right, yeah. which always had this false sense of importance as a child. Right. Uh, <laughs> none of them seem to matter in my life right, now. Yeah. But uh, I get that. I get the false self piece. Yeah. Because you so end up alone most otherwise. Most of us spend the rest of our life trying to recover our true <laughs> self. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I call it our shame bag. We put all those things that people have said they didn't like about us in this bag, and we drag it around behind us yeah. <laughs> in our life. And, and every now and then one of those things falls out, and we're embarrassed, and, and, and we're caught uh, with all these things that we thought we hid away from other people and somebody uh, now sees some of the shame that we have hidden and we feel embarrassed and, and actually uh, more ashamed. <laughs> Doctor, you're, I th- you said at the beginning, 66 books? Yes. And your 67th one, you said, is going to the publisher on Wednesday? That's correct. Okay, so in all these books, in everything that you've been doing, in all these, these years, 30 plus years of research, how, not how, 
what is the number one piece of advice you can give to a mom or a dad whose teen or tween, whose child is just struggling and you feel that child's gravitational pull on the whole family? Well, first of all, don't try to be perfect. Because if you try to be perfect, then you have to then have your own false self to deal with, of, of trying to look like uh, you're, you're a great parent and, and just know that you're going to make mistakes. And that's okay. Everyone makes mistakes. I tell my clients that human beings with uh, belly buttons are allowed 20% mistakes. And if you don't accept that, you have to turn in your belly button. That's brilliant. So, I mean, that's the biggest thing is that parents are, are, are so worried about what other people will think of them that they, they don't do a good job then of, of really relating to their children as they are, but as they would like them to be so that they, they can look good. So that's, that's a big problem for, I think, a lot of parents. Is, and it's a tough job because no, yeah. it doesn't come with a how-to-do-it manual, no. and you have to figure it out on the fly and often... But when you make a mistake, the best thing you can do as a parent is admit it to your child and say, gee, I messed up on that. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I'll do better next time. And look at what you model for your child That's when right. you do that. Yeah. They're going to do that. They're going to grow up and say, I'm sorry, mom, I made a mistake. Yeah. Uh, please forgive me. I'll try to do better next time. Yeah. I don't think every parent I've ever worked with has dreamed to hear that from their kids. And we call that the damaging admission. Yes. And we teach parents. Uh, your next after the parent weekend I said your homework is at your next family counseling here at the facility you're to bring your damaging admission list I want a list of everything you know you did wrong with your child <laughs> bring it to counseling and read them the list don't expect one in return don't ex- maybe they'll dig at yeah. you afterwards expect it it's time for you to admit you have no idea what you're doing right. and, and I've said this before I'm an expert and I'm a parent. I am never both at the same time. Well, I, I have a, a similar kind of process I use with my client. It's called the two lists process. And what I do, and particularly clients who don't know much about their own developmental history, I say, well, now think about your past, your childhood, and think about are there things that you wish you had gotten at that time that now would have made your life as an adult better? Right. So make a list of those things, the, the, the things that you wish you'd have gotten but didn't get. And then the second list is the things that you got that you wish you hadn't got that made your life more difficult. And this becomes the basis for my counseling then because the first list is the things you didn't get, you can still get those. So the, yeah. the assignment is to go out and get them. Yeah. Ask for people if, to help you with them if you need help. But or make, it a, make it your job to fill in the gaps that were left by uh, in, imperfect parents. The second list is uh, the, the way through that one is forgiveness. And we look at forgiveness a little differently than they do in the religious terms. Talk about forgiveness. If you look at the word forgive, it is two words. It, it's for and give. It means to give back. So if you took on something from your parents and that now is not doing you any good, give it back. Give it back. 
give it and, and whatever way you want to do that. Write it on a piece of paper and burn it. Uh, if you can do it in person, just say, look, I'm, I'm no longer need this. You can do it in an empty chair in a gestalt fashion. You can do it any way, but, but so in, make some uh, very definite action to give back the things that you no longer want. You know, doctor, if I believe that you have just created a process that if it's done well, you'd put all of us out of a job. Of course. <laughs> I think that's the goal. That's right. Let's let's talk about how I want to put everybody out of a job so I can retire. <laughs> including <laughs> myself you can finally go treat yourself yeah. besides having the coolest wedding ring on the planet that oh, i have ever you. seen well you I, know what that is i well i'm seeing a pyramid and i'm wondering if it has anything no no to... you this is the symbol of sobriety oh okay from the top i see that yeah okay so that's that's the circle and the triangle right. of sobriety i've been okay. i've been sober for 62 and a half years holy moly and and so you're you're one of the original big blue bookers all right okay so before you put us all out of business, um, <laughs> let's talk about how people can get in touch with you and the title of your next book. And is it for professionals or the layman? It's for the layman. Uh, it's written mostly for men. Okay. I have a four book series called my Real Men series. Okay. And it's to try to teach men how to live authentic lives in this 21st century kind of environment. And uh, the first book was called The Male Mother. And it was for young fathers to teach them how to do a better job of parenting their children. Uh, the second book, when I looked at all the leadership models we had out there, I was, I was sadly uh, discouraged. And so I wrote a book called The Servant Leader. Okay. Uh, and it's about how to bring both the masculine and feminine parts of yourself together and, 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 and become an effective leader. The third book was about the wise elders, the people, the older people in our society that we have much wisdom to share, but often don't have a lot of op opportunity to do that. So the book's about uh, getting in touch with your inner wise elder and also finding ways to share that with other people. And the last book that I will, uh, is going to press on Wednesday is called The Open-Hearted Lover. And it's about how to love with an open heart. Men need to learn how to do that. Right. Strong back, open heart. Yeah. And so uh, I think that we evolve as human beings uh, based on the amount of time we can spend giving and receiving unconditional love. Wow. And that's what the book's about. It's a, it's a how to do it book. How to do it. Uh, how could a website, some place people can go yeah, and well, see all uh, your stuff. Just uh, the plural of my last name, W-E-I-N-H-O-L-D-S. Dot .org. Wineholds.org. Yeah, okay. that's the main one. Well, look, doctor, anytime, you're, anytime you get, I don't know how many books you're going for. If you're going for a clean 100, I want to hear from you each time so we can well, get up I and promote. Well, I just keep uh, waiting for the next one to show up. I, <laughs> I, the books write me. I don't write them. Wonderful. I just wait in, uh, in, in, in meditation, and then the book starts to come to me. So I'm going to sign us off, but I want you to stick around for a second because uh, okay. there's something I want to talk to you about, sure. and I want to record it. So hang on just a second. Folks, uh, check out Dr. Weinhold's stuff. This is the second time I've had him on the show. Uh, this is good stuff. All right, I'll see you next week, folks. This has been another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Thank you so much for joining me, parents. Please remember to give us a listen, a like, a subscribe, and share us with your friends, other parents who need the support. I have a few people I'd like to thank. First is Frazier PR. I'd also like to thank Your Cause Consulting 
and I need to give a shout out to Deepin Productions. As always, thank you to Mental Health News Radio for hosting this show. And I'd like to thank Guayaki. Guayaki has sponsored our booth here at the Winter Symposium. And of course, all my fans everywhere, all over the world, thank you so much for making Beyond Risk and Back a number one parenting podcast. Remember, parents, take care of yourself first, your adult relationship second, and your children third, because in that way, we do our best work with our children. I'll see you next week.